So welcome to church, everybody. And for those watching online as well, welcome, welcome. It is so good to see all of you here this morning. All right, I will start a new sermon series. And the new sermon series I'm going to talk about in the next few weeks or maybe even months is called The God of Possibilities. The God of Possibilities. Amen. Because I really believe that God has something powerful for each and every one in store. Amen. We talked about that this is the year of restoration, right? But I believe that we have to become a little bit more practical in our approach. That we have to put uh, what butter on the bread. Or is that just a German saying? <laughs> If you say like you have to put something into practice, in German you say you have to put the butter on the bread. There's no point in eating the bread and looking at the butter, right? Then it will be just stale, dry bread. But you have to put the butter on the bread so that you can really see what the butter actually do, can do to your bread. Amen? So we have to apply the things that we are learning about into our life so that we can really see God move. So we are talking about that God is a God of possibilities. That even though we go through difficult times in life sometimes, even though we might go through things and situations that we don't understand and the seemingly impossible, if we invite God into the picture, I believe that the, what seems to be impossible becomes a possibility. Come on. That the things that seem so hard, so Uh, unrealistic, so impossible, with God in the picture, I believe the impossibilities become a possibility. Amen. And today, the first installment of that series, we are going to talk about that transformation is possible. Transformation is possible. Now, I know that Joanna last week uh, preached an awesome message on transformation. In fact, when she asked me or I told her what my next sermon is going to be like, when she was preparing to preach here, she said, I don't know, Stefan. If you talk about transformation, I am talking about transformation. So people will think that I piggyback on your message. So I want you to know, if anything, I am piggybacking on Joanna's message, where she talked about transformation That transformation is possible. Transformation starts in us. Transformation will cost us something. But transformation also is fulfilling. Amen. So I will talk about also that transformation is possible. And I believe with all my heart that Romans 12 verse 2 can be applied in each and every one of our lives. Now full disclosure, for very long I was very frustrated with this Scripture. Am I allowed to admit that here, even as a pastor? For many years, especially my youth years, this scripture was so, so frustrating to me. And I believe that you will understand just in a little bit when we read it again. So Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, 
pleasing and perfect will. So it says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, I was always so frustrated because that is something that sounds so awesome. True or not? But it is so hard to put into practice in our life. Come on. Because if we don't watch it, if we are not aware of it, without us even really knowing, we can be conformed to the pattern of this world and apply things or be shaped and changed into something that we don't even want to be, but it's just happening to us because we are not paying close attention. So the Bible says, do not be conformed, but be transformed. So conformity is not our goal. We don't want to be conformed even to good things like what we say church rules are. But our aim, our goal, our ambition is transformation in life. Amen? So if you go into the original and you look up the word conformed, it's the Greek word syskmetize. And it means an outward conformity. That means that there is something is changed or shaped to outward pressure and you are being changed into something that you may not even want to be, but because of outside pressure. Whereas the word transform is the Greek word metamorphosis, where we get the, the, the word metamorphosis from. And we know that a caterpillar is being transformed into a butterfly, right? Metamorphosis. That is the word being transformed. Talking about an inward change. Talking about something that is not produced from the outside in, from the pressures from the outside. It talks about a change, a transformation that happens from the inside out. Now all the parents here, you will know what this is. This is Play-Doh, right? So if you have kids, younger kids, you will know what this is, Play-Doh. So conform means this is the shape that God has for you. But then being conformed means you go into your working, uh, into your work on a Monday morning and the boss will chew you out over something that was not even your fault. And you feel angry, you feel upset and the boss says, you really have to do this, you have to do that. What do you happen? Now the outside pressure will change you of who you are. You are being conformed because of the outside pressure. And then we come to church. Good pressure now. And then the pastor talks about, you know what? We have to read the Bible. We have to pray more. We have to listen to worship songs, by the way, which is all very good, okay? But now we are trying to conform to the good things that we hear being shared in church on a Sunday morning. So what are we trying to do? We are trying to conform back into the image that God has for us. We are conforming. But conforming means we are applying outside pressure in changing who we are. Problem now is you are going back to work on Monday morning. True or not? And then something is happening. Maybe you are arguing with your wife or with your husband. And then the outside pressure comes and it changes you again to something because there's outside pressure. So conformity means you are giving in to the outside pressure and you're changing into something that you might want to be or not want to be. But conformity is not reliable. Conformity will always give in to the biggest pressure and you will change 
accordingly. That's why conformity is not the solution, but transformation is the solution. Where we now are in our life, like this balloon, this is our life, and we ask God, come into, come into my life. Holy Spirit, come into my life. And guess what? God is faithful. If we ask God to give me the Holy Spirit, the Bible is, says that He is faithful and good, and He will give me the Holy Spirit. So I ask God, I need more of your Holy Spirit so that I can become the person that you want me to be. And God will give me the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came in. And now we are being transformed from the inside out. Because the Holy Spirit came in, it changed the shape of the balloon into something that God wants us to be. But here's the good news. We can have more of the Holy Spirit. We can say, God, I am glad and I am happy with what I have right now. That I am saved. That I have a good relationship with my family. But God, I want more of you. God is faithful and He will give you more. So He will give you more of the Holy Spirit. And you have more. You are being transformed, not from pressure from the outside, but from the Holy Spirit who will come inside of you. Amen. And then we can say, God, I am still not happy. I am still not satisfied. I still want more. And God will be faithful and give you even more. And now I'm going to stop. My lung capacity is already finished up now. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit can come in and change us from the inside out. That is what is being transforming. And see, now you go back on a Monday morning to your work, stress environment. Everyone is having the cutthroat attitude. Everyone is trying to step over you to get the promotion. And you kind of have to feel like you have to also follow suit. You have to do it. But we don't want to be conformed. So if there's pressure coming from the outside, see, it deforms a little bit. But the Holy Spirit inside of us keeps us in the shape that we are supposed to have. So no matter the pressure that comes from the outside, because we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, we do not have to be conformed to whatever pressure is coming into us or from the outside. So we can be transformed by the Holy Spirit coming into our life. That's why the Bible says, do not be conformed, but be transformed by the Holy Spirit. Amen? So I believe if we really want to live the, like the Bible says, out the perfect will of God, we need the Holy Spirit in our life. Because He is the one that will bring transformation. He is the one that will fill us so that the pressure from the outside world will not conform us to any other pattern than what God already designed us to be. Amen? So there's three things that we can see is that will happen when the Holy Spirit will come into our life. The Holy Spirit, when He comes in, the first thing that He will do is He will convict us. The Holy Spirit will come in and He will convict us. John 16 verse 8 says, when the Spirit comes, when the Spirit comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Now this is spoken by Jesus right when He went, uh, 
appeared to the disciples and said, you know what, it is time for me to go up into heaven so that I can send the Holy Spirit. But it is good for you that I go because when I go, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. And then the Holy Spirit will come and He will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness and judgment. But the job of the Holy Spirit is to convict. And not only the world, I believe the Holy Spirit will convict you and me of things that need to be changed in our life. So if we want true transformation in our life, so that we can be the shape that God desires us to be, we need the Holy Spirit to come in and show us things that need to be changed in our life. Amen? And then if we go and look into Romans 12 verse 2, how are we really being transformed? By the renewing of our mind. So I believe we have to start and to change the way that we look at conviction and repentance. When the Holy Spirit comes into our life and He points something out in our life that needs to be changed, what is our response as a follower of Christ? It should be obedience. True or not? The Holy Spirit comes, He shows me something that needs to be changed in my life. Now my natural response should be, God, I need change. Help me change because I see that I need the change. Now we very often think about that for life-changing things. Like we made a wrong turn here or there and then we end up and now all of a sudden we are uh, one who is addicted to drugs. Or we need God to come in. We need the change of God. We need to repent. I need to really change my life. We think about big things. But what about the small things? What about the things where the Holy Spirit comes and He just puts the finger in an area of your life and says, this one needs work. This one is not quite right yet. This one, maybe it's not a sin, but is it really good? Is it really edifying you? Is it really a blessing for you? Is it really something that is necessary? If the Holy Spirit puts His finger on something in our life, we need to respond. Not only big things, because very often we think about repentance. All oh, repentance means I need to say, God, I am sorry. Then I have to turn around and I have to go in a new direction. That is, by the way, the definition of repentance. Not just saying, God, I'm sorry, but turning around and going into a different direction. That is what repentance really means. Now, very often we think of big things, things that are obvious. But what about the small things? We have to renew our mind so that the Holy Spirit can put His finger even on the little things in our life. Not only life-changing big things that are so obvious, but what about the small little things in our life that we like to reserve, that we like to keep hidden? Anybody of you guys got a storeroom in your house? You know, the one room where everything ends up and it's like a black hole. It just goes in there. It disappears, never to be seen again. Now, if you ever have come to my house, I have a storeroom like that. And for those who have been recording the announcement, you can see right into my storeroom so you know what I'm talking about. 
the room that goes, everything goes inside. Oh, we have people come over. What is this? I don't know. Just put it in the storeroom. Hey, what is this? Where does it go? Oh, mommy is not here, so I cannot ask. Talking to the kids. Ask mommy. Mommy is not here. Okay, just put it in the storeroom. Just put it all away, out of sight. So when people come, they don't see it, right? And then we close the door, and then we hope nobody will see what is inside. A little storeroom. Do we have a little storeroom in our life where we have things that we say, ah, actually, they're not that wrong, there, but you know what? I want to keep that to myself. This one, God, this one I want to keep to myself. This one I don't want to change. And we don't let the Holy Spirit put His finger on the small little things in our life. If we want true transformation in our life, we have to open up our entire life and change the way that we think of conviction and repentance. Doesn't mean that you are a Christian now or you repented from your old ways. Now no more repentance necessary. No, God wants to put his finger on the small little things that still need to be changed. You know what, years ago, uh, there was a TV series coming out, Game of Thrones. And I started to watch it, the first few episodes, and all of a sudden, I kind of liked the idea. I like knights and kingdoms and fighting and war and bloodshed and gore, all that one I like. But all of a sudden, after a few episodes, there were actually quite a lot of scenes that are not good. And all of a sudden, I felt the Holy Spirit just put his finger on my life and say, do you really want to watch that? Is it really necessary? It's not a sin, but is it really good for you or not? And so I was convicted. Now, I never told anyone, oh, you cannot watch Game of Thrones. It's so bad, you know? Cannot, cannot. I never told anyone, but it was something that was a personal conviction where the Holy Spirit just pointed something out in my life. And I said, okay, I never watched it again. That is the kind of things, the small little things might not even be wrong, might not even be a sin, but if the Holy Spirit puts his finger on it, we have to respond because that will show and let the Holy Spirit and give him room to work in our life so that transformation in our life can really happen. Amen. So the first thing that the Holy Spirit will do is he will bring conviction. But the second thing that he will do is that he will give us a new direction in life. The Spirit gives us a new direction. Matthew 4 verse 1 says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, I don't want to talk about being tempted by the devil, but what I want to focus on is here where it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit. And I want to put it close to your heart this morning that you and I, we can be led by the Spirit in the same way. Come on. We, you and I, we can have the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us in our life in a very practical way. Not only talking about something spiritual, a spiritual concept. No, very practical things in your life where you can say, God, show me what I should do. God, show me what is the right thing to do. God, show me how I should respond to this situation and expect God to show up and guide you. See, the problem is, again, very often we think of God showing us direction for the big, major, important decisions in life. 
Like what should I study? What should I, uh, my career should be? Then we ask God and pray. Ask the pastor to pray for us. Pastor, what should I do? God, show me what I should do that I know what my career should be. Or about the person that we are supposed to marry. God, what is the partner that you have for my life? Big, major life decisions. We know that we need the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But what does Romans 12 verse 2 says? We are being transformed by the renewing of our mind. So now we have to receive guidance from the Holy Spirit, but we have to start to change the way that we think about His guidance in life. That we are now not only seeking guidance and being led by the Holy Spirit for major decisions, but also in the small things in life. That we can say, God, I want you involved in my everyday life. Because I believe God has a clear plan and a clear purpose for life. I remember being in Germany, 18 years old, never had a girlfriend yet. I was thinking to myself, all my friends in school, all my friends in, in, even in church had girlfriends already. It's time for me to get a girlfriend. And then I had some prospects. Yeah, my pastor, you're so handsome. Had so nice hair some more. So I had some prospect and I was thinking, you know what? I can see a future right there. Maybe this is the one. Maybe this is what God has for me. But then I felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit putting his finger and saying, it's not the right one. Wait. What? God, wait. I have been waiting 18 years. Not really, but you know, I have been waiting. Everybody else has girlfriend I don't have. This is a good prospect. This looks good, looks promising. Why not? But I just had a, the spirit in me saying, no, it's not the right one. And then I had to say, okay, maybe I wait. Fast forward, maybe five, what, how many years? I don't know. Uh, years later, I meet Joanna in America in Bible school. End up with her, come to Malaysia. That's how I ended up here. Now, back then, I didn't know why God would say no. But if I trust his guidance, I know that he will lead me in a good direction. Amen? If I trust the Holy Spirit, even if I don't understand right now, I believe that in the long term, when I look back at my life, I see, oh, now I understand. Now I see. Now I know why God asked me to wait. But see, the thing is, very often, we expect him to speak in the big, major decisions. But God wants to be involved in our everyday life. In the small little things, in the small decisions that we do, God wants to be involved. I believe I told you the story before in Bible school. There was this one girl. Uh, she would go every morning in front of her closet, open up the closet and say, God, show me what I should wear today. And she would refuse to change until God showed her what to wear for that day. Now, I don't really know if God really cares for my fashion sense. Maybe my faith is not quite there yet, but I do get the sentiment that we have to involve God more in our everyday life. Come on. I mean, there's two extremes. One, don't care at all. Just do whatever you want to do. Just once a year come to church and then say, okay, what God, huh? what, what should I do? That is one extreme. The other extreme is also completely on the other side, but we need to find a balance and see that we get God involved in our everyday life. 
because he is a God who is interested, who wants to come in and who wants to show up and actually guide us, even in the small things in life. So if you start to think about something and it worries you, pray about it. That is how you involve God into your life. Just drop your kids at daycare. Now you're driving to work and you think, oh my goodness, I wonder if my kid's going to be okay. And you start worrying about your kids. Pray about it. That is how you involve God in your everyday life. Say, God, bless my children. Let them be under your covering. Let no harm come against them. Protect them. Be with them. Pray about it. That is how you involve God in your everyday life. You just had a fight with your husband. Say, oh God, he is such an idiot. He needs, he needs a change of heart. God, work in his life. He needs your blessing, Jesus. Pray about it. Instead of getting angry, getting upset, involve God even in the fights that you might have. Amen? See, if it's big enough to worry about, pray about it. Ask God to come in. See, I didn't say if you fought with your wife. I didn't want to get the husbands in trouble. Huh? But if the wife, the wives can say that the husbands cannot. Huh? But involve God in your everyday life. Because he wants to be involved. Number three, the Holy Spirit come and he will empower you. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Now we know today is Pentecost Sunday, right? Pentecost Sunday, Holy Spirit fell. This is the scripture that was promised before Pentecost. Wait in the city. The Holy Spirit will come on you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the world. Then the Holy Spirit came and then they were empowered to preach the gospel. Right? So how do we always think about the Holy Spirit empowerment? If you have been growing up or if you have been around in church in the 80s and 90s. You know about Pentecost, you know about charismatic movement, right? The charismaniacs, like I like to call them. I grew up in that. Or oh, we would go for worship nights in the church and we would dance and we would go crazy and then people would come and they would pray over us. They would spit in our face, not purposely, but because they were so eager to pray and they were spitting in my face and they were pushing me and shoving me and pushing me down and we would fall. But then always modesty blanket. Ah, modesty blanket, very important. So if you grew up in that kind of environment, you think the empowerment of the Holy Spirit comes by something extraordinary, powerful, boom, lightning from heaven, and you are changed in an instant. And wouldn't that be nice if that would always be the case? But what about the small little things where the Holy Spirit wants to come in and help us do ordinary tasks in our life? We have a deadline. We are stressed out. How about the Holy Spirit enabling us to do that task? Not talking about major things. Not talking about the awesome Sunday service where the Holy Spirit is so uh, real and tangible. The small little things God wants to be involved. 
And I believe the Holy Spirit, when He comes in, He wants to empower us so that we can really be transformed from the inside out. Now, I remember when I was in youth in Germany, talking about a charismatic movement, right? So there was one of the preachers and a prophet from Canada. He came through our church. He was a guest speaker. So he came to our youth meeting and he called me out. I was sitting at the side of the church. He called me out to come to the front and he prophesied over me. And the one thing that I still remember so clear, like it was yesterday, he said that I will stand in front of thousands of people and proclaim God's word in great authority. Now he didn't know me. I was always the shy and quiet type. If you want to talk, by all means, go ahead. I let you talk. I was more the quiet type, more the shy guy. I didn't go out there. I didn't was out there up on the platform dancing or doing whatever. I was more at the side of the church. I thought, he doesn't know me. How could God ever make that happen? How could that even come true in my life? Now, fast forward three years later, I go on a mission trip to Angola, Africa. We organize uh, a big crusade in one of the stadiums, in one of the cities, and we go on a Sunday morning, and we go in, and it's a big place, seated about four to 5,000 people. And people started to come in, and it started to fill up. All of a sudden, the whole stadium was full. And then they asked me to go and preach. And when I was standing there looking at all the people, something just broke in my heart. Where I said, God, what you promised years ago, I can step into right now. I can see that you are truly the God of the impossible. What seems to be impossible now becomes possible. See, now what I didn't tell you is how I got there. Because after I got the prophecy, the pastor asked me, okay, uh, you know what, can you read a scripture that I'm going to preach about on a Sunday morning on the stage, and then I will preach about the scripture that you read. Sure, I can. So I read the scriptures over and over and over again. I memorized it by heart. Okay, the praise team can come, by the way. So I memorized it by heart. I knew it already. I knew how to recite it by heart. I didn't even have to look at the scripture anymore. But then I went up on a Sunday morning after the worship I was supposed to read, and all of a sudden I didn't know what was going on anymore. I couldn't recite by heart anymore. Never mind, I got my Bible. So I opened up my Bible. I tried to read. I was stumbling over my words. My pronunciation was off. All my life speaking German. All of a sudden, no German coming out. Stumbling over my words, not making sense. I became red like a lobster. Now I am white. Matsale, eh? I can turn red. Not the cute Indian red when they're a little bit sunburned. I'm talking about red like a lobster. I turned red like a lobster. I was standing there. I could not even really finish the scripture reading. And to make things worse, later on afterwards, an auntie from the church came and said, Oh, Stefan, don't worry about it. At least you know you will not work in television or radio ever. <laughs> Thank you, Auntie Salada. And then I, I realized, you know what? It was prophesied that I will stand in front of thousands of people and preach. And here I am standing in front of just 120 people. And I cannot even read. Not even talking about preaching. I cannot even read the scripture. 
How can that ever happen? See, what happened then, after that, my youth pastor then started to ask me to open the youth meeting in prayer. So I prayed. Then after a while, he started, you know what? Can you just share a thought on what I am preaching about after I preach? I just give you over the mic and you just share one or two thoughts what you were thinking about my preaching. So I did. In front of 20 people, 20 young people, just share what I was thinking. And then he said, you know what? I am invited to this church, small church only, maybe about 50 people. I cannot go. Why don't you go? I talked to the pastor. He's okay. Why don't you go and preach in the church? So I go into the church, small church only, small intimate setting, no problem. I preached. Then I went to Africa. I go to the small churches by the roadside, makeshift tents, maybe 30, 40 people preaching there. Then they're asking me to go to a bigger building, to a bigger church. I was preaching there, 100, 200 people. Then came the crusade with 5,000 people. See, what happened is God empowered me to be obedient and to step out in faith in small little steps. Very often we think about God's empowerment through the Holy Spirit will happen instantaneous. instantaneous. It happens overnight in an instant. But very often we have to now change and renew our thinking about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Yes, those things can happen. And I want to see more of those things. But what about the small little steps of obedience that will bring empowerment? So that you can grow into the purpose that God has for you. So that you can find yourself. Then you look back where you started and where you are now and say, God, you are truly the God of the possibilities. What seemed to be so impossible now becomes possible. Because I was, you were with me every step of the way. So transformation doesn't always happen overnight, but it happens in small steps of obedience in our everyday life. And if we are only finding it in our heart to say, God, I want to be empowered. Let me walk through my life and be obedient in the small little step so that I can see your power rise up in my life. And I can guarantee you that your life will be transformed. That true transformation can really happen. Amen. Okay, come on. Let's rise to our feet this morning and respond to God in prayer.